Assalamu alaikum. It is Thursday, the 16th of December 2021. And in our series, Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number 285. And uh, these days we are discussing the meanings of the uh, words of verse. 96 of the second chapter of the Holy Quran, Al-Baqarah or the Cow. And this is our seventh broadcast discussing this verse of the Holy Quran. Just to remind you that uh, the Lahore Amdiya community was established by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. And uh, he taught us that although other people say that uh, after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, another Prophet will come, this is not possible because uh, the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet was Khatamun Nabi and the Holy Prophet explained that by saying, La Nabi Abadi. There is no Prophet after him. So now neither an old nor a new prophet can come. However, um, as uh, the uh, companions anhum, asked the Holy Prophet Muhammad, what will happen when uh, people go astray, Muslims go astray? And the Holy Prophet said, well, when that happens, then uh, um, reformers, Mujaddadeen, will come. And they will be guided by God about how to lead people back to the straight path. And of course, this means that uh, there may be... Um, uh, differences of opinion and uh, so on uh, between uh, uh, people. But the Holy Prophet also said that <clears throat> if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are a heretic, a kafir outside the pale of Islam, the person saying it is closer to heresy. So although people are fond of uh, declaring each other heretics and, and the kafirs and so on, at the slightest excuse, the Holy Prophet forbade it. 
Similarly, as Mirza Ghulam Ahmed taught that although generally people believe that uh, some prophetic revelation has been missed out from the Holy Quran, this cannot be true because in the Holy Quran God says I have revealed it and I am its guardian and God's promise cannot be false. So no prophetic revelation is missing from the Holy Quran. Like people say, Ayah, Rajam, Surah, Valayat, etc. are missing. Similarly, people say that uh, some verses of the Holy Quran have been abrogated. Shah Waliullah writes that people say more than 500 verses of the Holy Quran are abrogated. And I've uh, Father uh, Shavalullah says he's conducted research and he's come down to the conclusion that only seven verses of the Holy Quran are abrogated. But Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed said no verse of the Holy Quran was, is, or ever shall be abrogated. Similarly, people believe that uh, uh, jihad is. Uh, Jihad means that you take the sword and uh, you go and uh, kill uh, non-Muslims if they don't uh, uh, embrace Islam. This is untrue. This is untrue. Jihad was defined by the Holy Prophet and returning from fighting, he said that Muslims are returning from the minor jihad to the major jihad and then went on to explain that the major jihad is a struggle against your own desires and your own self. That is the major jihad. And Nazareth Mirza Ghulam insisted that jihad is a duty of every Muslim. It uh, continues until the day of judgment. And every Muslim must be engaged in jihad every second of his life. Jihad is not restricted just to picking up the sword and attacking people. That only happens if you are attacked and you need to defend yourself. Because Islam is not a pacifist religion. It's a practical religion. So let us turn to the Holy Quran, verse, uh, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 96. <speaking in Hebrew> وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَقُ النَّاسِ عَلَىٰ حَيَاهِ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَقُوا يَبُدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُؤَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَحِ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَخْزِهِ مِنَ الْأَذَابِ <coughs> 
വല്ലാഹു ബസീറു ബിമായഅമലൂൻ and you will certainly find them the greediest of people for life greedier even than those who set up gods beside allah one of them loves to be granted a life of a thousand years and his being granted a long life is Uh, his being granted a uh, granted a long life will in no way remove him further further off from chastisement and allah is seer of what they do so today you yeah, are going to look at uh, the words be mozah <coughs> zihihi and azab so let me turn to my notes on the computer the first word that i said we'll discuss is interesting from a linguistic point of view you would have noticed that uh, i give the roots of words to try and see what concept the root is trying to give us and uh, all these roots up till now have been three letters as far as i can remember but this one the master the root is four letters zay ha zay ha and it occurs in the holy quran twice in two forms once as zuhziha and once as muzahziha and uh, it means to move move away to draw away from something so let us have a look and uh, it means as i said that uh, to remove something to take it away for example Holy Quran in chapter 3 uh, verse 184 says faman zuh ziha anin nar for the person kept away from fire so let's see if i've got any more notes and yes it says it means he was uh, moved further away removed moved to one side uh, etc so this is the, the basic meaning that uh, uh, you take something and you move it away from something else the next word 
that we are going to look at is Al-Azabi. So it's a root, we are back to triliteral roots, three letters, Ayn, Wal and Ba. And that occurs in the Holy Quran 373 times in five forms with five different meanings. 322 times it's Azab and 40 Azab which is a noun punishment and then 41 times as a verb Azab and four times as Muazib and uh, four times Muazabin and twice as Azb so if you look at them the word the verb will be to punish so we have in uh, verse 284 of Al-Baqarah So he will punish. So all these different forms they are uh, uh, he will punish I will punish. I there I recite. I I I read out the word by you azibu, and it is, and he will punish. Then in a in another verse we have, for u azibu hum, and I will punish. Then I will punish. Uh, or you azibuhum punishes them. Chapter 3, verse 128. But of course, that was the fail, the, the inflicting of punishment. So punishment is walahum azabun azib. So because it's noun, it's the same word that, that's used. Azabun Alimun, alimun bima kanu yakzibu. And so, so that is the noun. And it's very interesting because um, if you uh, look at the uh, basic meanings of the word, the first meaning that you see, ma'un azbun, and that means pleasant, sweet water. And that is surprising considering the other meanings which this word has that we're all too familiar with. We've never thought of this word as uh, meaning or implying something that is pleasant and sweet. But the Holy Quran says, Hada azbun 
Hazat. Chapter 25, verse 53. And the water is sweet and pleasant to drink. But if you have Al-Azabu, that is uh, to inflict severe pain or to punish. For example, in chapter 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 21, the Holy Quran says, Lau azzi, lau azzi bannahu azaban shadida. I will punish them severely. Or in another place, chapter 8, verse 33, it says, Wama kana lahu. God wasn't going to uh, um, punish them when we were with them and God is not a being who does not forgive or who gives punishment when people have sought forgiveness or repentance. For chapter 8, verse 34, the next verse, وَمَا لَهُمْ أَلَّا Now why? What reason is there? Why shouldn't Allah Punish them, give them azab. So you can see that what started with pleasant and sweet water to drink has now been turned into this. And there is a, a, a technical discussion about. Uh, you know, uh, um, the source of this word, etc., uh, etc. Et um, but um, let's see what other notes I have on this. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, the basic, three basic things uh, or three categories of meanings that this word has uh, or this root has. The first one, as I said, um, is um, pleasant and sweet water that stops thirst and then it has another meaning and that is that uh, the pain that interferes in your enjoying your life. And a third meaning is uh, a barrier or to prohibit or forbid someone for there being a barrier. Obviously, you know, if the law forbids someone, you know, British law 
forbids people from uh, um, uh, stealing, shoplifting. So that's the barrier. There is a barrier, and uh, if they uh, steal, then and they are caught, then they are punished. And uh, I mean, th th this in in countries like UK, where there is plenty of water, you cannot even imagine what a great thing water is in some places. There are places in Pakistan where water is not available easily or the water that is available is not drinkable, it's not what's called sweet water. It's like sea water. And think of Arabia, which is mostly desert and uh, drinkable water wasn't easily found. And if it was, then what you had was, you know, you'd have two tribes or two clans fighting over the well or uh, pond or whatever it was that had that sweet uh, water. And it was with great difficulty that you accessed uh, such uh, water. So, <clears throat> and the, the, the Quran refers, remember this, let me re repeat that, that uh, all these meanings that we are looking at, they are justified from the Holy Quran by using verses of the Holy Quran, nothing outside. And you'll note, you've noticed that many times I say, well, you know, uh, linguists disagree with this or argue about this, that or the other. But I restrict myself to uh, the meaning uh, given in the Holy Quran. And um, I recited uh, a verse of the Holy Quran which used this word, this root, or a word from this root to refer to water as sweet and, and, uh, and pleasant. Now, just think you're in the desert, you know, you haven't had a drink all day and you come to this pond and from a distance it looks that it's going to be very nice, sweet, pleasant water and that will quench your thirst, etc. But then, when you get close to it, you find that, you know, it's been polluted somehow. I don't know, you know, some animal or bird or something fell in it and died and rotted away and, you know, that makes the water undrinkable. It's look very, it looks very enticing. You are very thirsty. Can you imagine the pain a person will feel? when faced with that situation, what is he going to do? He hasn't had a drink all day. He's desperate. This pond from afar looks beautiful. The water looked nice and, and uh, pleasant and sweet and so on. But when, it, when he gets close to it, 
he finds that, you know, there's some kind of pollution uh, in it. So that this azab is thirst, is hunger, and any kind of any kind of difficulty that you might find yourself in. And this can be psychological, it doesn't have to be physical. You know, supposing uh, uh, you applied for a job and you think you're going to get it and uh, on that assumption you've gone and you, you've spent, I don't know, money and on, on things or whatever and then you don't get it. Can you imagine how traumatic that would be for some person? Uh, in fact, uh, the Holy Quran uses, I mean, Muslims restricted the word azab to what's going to happen in the hereafter. But it applies to all the difficulties in this world. And the Holy Quran does this. For example, in uh, uh, chapter 2 in Al-Baqarah, at the very beginning, it talks about azab of Firon's azab that he inflicted upon the Israelites. Now, that stands for all the difficulties and problems that he created for the Israelites. You know, they were given too much work to do. They weren't given enough food to, uh, to uh, eat. They had impossible targets to meet. And if they couldn't, they would be lashed and uh, so on and so forth. So Azab is not just something that will happen in the hereafter. Anything that deprives us of a happy life, of a pleasant life, you know, that can be termed Azab. It's all, it also applies to punishment that is handed down by a court or by, you know, anyone. You know, for something that you uh, might have done. And uh, so the word is also used for, as, as punishment in the sense we were talking about shoplifting and so on. So, uh, you know, if you're caught and um, um, the magistrates, they say, um, you, you know, we fine you, I don't know, 50 pounds etc. If you were shoplifting in the first place because you didn't have enough uh, uh, money to buy food or whatever, you know that 50 pounds or 100 pounds fine is azab for you. It's going to create severe psychological trauma. So as far as the Quran is, is, is concerned, azab also means uh, humiliation. On this earth. You know like uh, that great freedom fighter Tipu Sultan, he fought against the, the British and he lost and he was killed in the in the battle, he died fighting. But the person next door, the ruler of Hyderabad, who was a Muslim, he joined the British. And at that time it seemed as if uh, it was Tipu Sultan 
who was humiliated. But now when we look back, we know that Tipu Sultan was a martyr. He was a shaheed. He died sword in hand, fighting to expel invaders from his country. Whereas everyone curses the Nawab of Hyderabad who sided with the British and on the face of it at that time seemed that you know he'd been honored in this world. So humiliation of any kind, fear of anything, particularly food, etc. Fear that God's blessings may be terminated or the doors of his blessings may be closed. That is the greatest fear. And then uh, Azab is also division. When a family, a clan, a group, a country becomes so divided, becomes so divided that uh, you know, people belonging to different groups and all this kind of thing, uh, all they want to do is to fight each other. See, the Holy Prophet Muhammad said that bless, uh, uh, the, the difference of opinion in my Ummah is a blessing. And it is a blessing. A puts forward a proposal, there are some weaknesses in it, B points out those weaknesses, puts his own proposal, that has some other weaknesses. A points to weaknesses in B's proposal, people discuss them and so on. Maybe they come up with a solution. That is good. Doesn't have weaknesses of either proposal. So that's a blessing. It's also a blessing because if you disagree, you do research and so on. And uh, um, knowledge and research, they advance. But if you're just going to divide into two, three, five, whatever number of groups and you're going to, uh, uh, one group is going to support John, whatever he says, right or wrong or whatever, the other group is going to support uh, Peter, it doesn't matter what he does or says, you know, he's Peter, I love him and uh, I've always supported him, etc, uh, etc. Et and we have people like this, you know, at election time on television, you know. Who are you go going to vote for? Labour Party. Why? Well, my father always voted Labour. My grandfather always voted Labour. We have always voted Labour. But, you know, what kind of reason is that? You should study the policies and politics of each party. And it may be that, you know, one election you like what uh, the Labour Party says. And at the other election you like what Liberal Democrats say. The third one, you like what the uh, the Conservative Party says. So you, you know, um, you know, select people on the basis of what they're proposing. Not on the basis of my father always voted Labour and my grandfather always voted Labour and I'm not going to change. This is an um, uh, uh, azab. This is a punishment. Because you splintered, you're not united anymore. You're not discussing things to get the best solution to anything. You are just arguing and debating for the sake of it. So with that, 
we have come to the end of our broadcast. Um, just to remind you that uh, tomorrow at uh, 1300 hours UK time, we'll have our Friday service and uh, then on Saturday, inshallah, we will have um, a broadcast on pure discussions, that which is a WhatsApp uh, group. So you can listen to that. And at the time of the broadcast, if you send your questions and comments in to the moderator, uh, he uh, picks some and reads them out or asks me questions based uh, on that. So that, that is on Saturday. And then, inshallah, on Monday, we'll be back to these broadcasts. So with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, regardless of your religion or sect or caste or creed, may Allah keep the whole of humanity under his protection and free from harm. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz, goodbye.